Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. The Greatest Showman. Has anybody else's life and home since this movie came out your kids, all they want to listen to is The Greatest Showman. I've got my two-year-old. Two! This is me. I mean, I'm like, are you serious? I mean, my two-year-old singing this, like, it, it is insane. Like, has there been any sound check that has captivated people more than this one, man? Like, it has just filled my home. And I mean, for honestly, for like three months straight, I had my, like, my, like I said, my two-year-old, like, singing every word to the soundtrack. I'm like, what in the world? The Greatest Showman. Anybody here seen it? Did you enjoy it? The Greatest Showman. Currently, we are in our second week of God at the Movies, where taking Hollywood flicks and kind of just like saying, what does God show us, speak to us next Sunday? I'm excited about that because it's Superhero Sunday, and we'll be diving into the Black Panther. It should be good, so we want to invite you out for that. Your kids will probably love the superheroes floating around here, so make sure you bring them out. It's going to be awesome, but today we're on The Greatest Showman, and um, you know, uh, The Greatest Showman is a loose interpretation of P.T. Barnum's life. We're going to basically talk about the creative liberty that this movie took about his, his life and not the actual documented life of P.T. Barnum, right? Uh, but at the same time, what you see in this movie is P.T. Barnum had this desire to be great. Um, and really, what you see is the dude got, ultimately got what he thought was great. He had crowds. He, he had people showing up. He got rich. He got a big house. Whining and dining with the really important rich people, the famous people. Profit started to come in. But what you end up seeing is that what ended up, what he actually ended up with um, wasn't exactly what he thought it would be. He had everything he thought he could have possibly wanted, but he lost what he totally forgot was the most important thing. He wanted to be famous to the world instead of being famous in his own home. He wanted to impress everybody instead of impressing those closest to him. I guess you could say he was climbing the ladder of success that was on the wrong wall. I've heard it said that the worst kind of failure is succeeding at the things in life that don't really matter. The worst kind of failure is succeeding at the things in life that don't matter. Now, I don't think it's wrong that, let's be honest, many of us have a desire in our life to be great. Like, we want to be someone. Like, I don't think no one is like, yeah, I want to be a loser, <laughs> right? Maybe that's you. And if that's you, come on down to the altar right after service and we'll pray for you and cast that devil out, right? Like, I, I don't think no one walks and says, yeah, I want my life to mean nothing. I don't want any purpose. I just want to be a loser my whole life. I really believe that deep down inside of our heart, we have a desire to do great and do something, and do something that ultimately matters and makes an impact. Like, we, we want to be great, but we've got to ask ourselves, whose standard of great are we trying to live up to? 
And what is that def and what is that def what does that definition look like? And are we what is great and how do we get there and what does it ultimately look like like who the heck I mean there's this whole talk about the goat now I had somebody after service first service come up to me and they said goats don't go bad they go mad she said she raised goats I'm like okay whatever you say all right like got you I said it wrong the first service you know but it's like goat it's like the greatest of all time right is it Jordan is it LeBron? How many of you think Jordan? How many of you think LeBron? How many of you think Co Kobe? Woo! Everyone forgets Kobe. He's got six rings also, okay? You can't forget Kobe. Is it Tom Brady? I love this church. Oh, y'all are my favorite. I love a church that can down Tom Brady. Oh, praise God. All of y'all are my favorites. Tom Brady. Is it Tom Brady? Is it Joe Montana? Who is like, we have this fascination in our culture with greatness. And it seems like a lot of us ask, like, yeah, what does it take to be great? No one asks God what it takes to be great. No one ever says, hey, God, what is considered great to you? What does great mean to you and how can I actually live up to it? Because I think we got to be honest. There is a complete difference between what our culture deems is great and what the kingdom of God deems is great there's a complete difference so we have to figure out whose standard what standard of greatness are we trying to live up to and what does great look like and how do we actually get there Luke chapter 22 Jesus actually has something to say about greatness that we're going to actually dive into really really quick Luke chapter 22 2 verses 42 through 44, excuse me, Luke 22 verses 24 through 26. And, and I want to set the scene for you really, really quick because this is during the Last Supper. So this is not like they're sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings, having some chicken wings, Jesus eating with his disciples. This is the Last Supper. So I don't know about you, I always think of the Last Supper as this sacred moment where all of, of the disciples are sitting around Jesus and there's, you know, there's like harps playing in the background. And it's this sacred moment of just like, they're intently listening to Jesus. What's he going to say? This is his last meal before he goes to the cross. Like this is a sacred holy moment. Let's jump in and see what's going on in this sacred holy moment. Within minutes, they, the disciples, were bickering over who of them would be the greatest. Let's just set this scene right now. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't know, actually, those weren't the disciples. <laughs> Lord Jesus. The disciples, all 12 of them. I don't know if I could even name all of them. I could maybe do it. But you got the 12, you know, the 12 disciples, Peter and John, Bartholomew, Thomas. That's about it. I don't know anymore. Uh, now, like sitting around Judas, sitting around him, and Jesus is sharing with them. And then can you imagine Peter being like, yo, John, I'm better than you. Did Jesus say he'd build the church on you? Nope. And then you've got John like, yeah, but did he call you the one that he loves? I'm John. I'm the one he loves. And Judas is down there like, <laughs> you know, like doing this Judas thing. 
you know, and then you got Thomas doubting everything, you know. Thomas is like, yeah, whatever, y'all are both idiots. I don't even like this Jesus guy. I'm just following him for food. You know, it's like, but it's like you've got this scene, and the disciples are literally around Jesus bickering. Have y'all ever had kids bicker? This is why I'm glad I'm not Jesus. Because if I'm sitting around trying to share an intimate moment with them, letting them know what's going to happen with my death, and then, they, you know, they start bickering. It's kind of like, you know, you're trying to have a nice family meal. Everything's perfect. You worked hard to do the food. And then you got your seven-year-old and four, maybe I'm just talking about my life, your seven-year-old and your four-year-old fighting over a stinking dinosaur that they have 80 of, but they just want that one dinosaur. And then they're bickering and fighting over it. I'm glad I'm not Jesus because I said, this is not just your last supper. This is your last minute alive, right? But then Jesus goes in here and he, he starts talking about what greatness is. And he, he says, but Jesus intervened. He says, kings like to shove their weight around. And people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. But it's not going to be that way with you. It's not going to be that way with people that follow Jesus. He says, it's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader Act the part of the servant. And this was not the first time that Jesus brought up this whole idea of what greatness is. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. This is something that Jesus taught them probably about a year earlier. And Jesus is sitting there training and talking with his disciples. And he tells them this. He said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, everyone say great, among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man the son of god jesus is, is talking about himself here even i did not come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many jesus here do you know what jesus doesn't do either uh, of these times talking with his disciples about true greatness he doesn't condemn their wanting to be great he redefines what great is he says i know inside of you you have a desire to be great and i'm not going to smack you in the face for sitting at my table and bickering but what i am going to do is i'm going to redefine and show you what greatness in the kingdom of god looks like in in opposition to what greatness in culture looks like he says, culture says you got these kings, they just lord it over you, they love titles, they love position and power and privilege. That is what worldly greatness is. But he says, look, that is not greatness in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what greatness in the kingdom of God is. It's having the heart of a servant. Jesus redefines what greatness actually is. And this was a game changer. Jesus is saying here, greatness isn't found in money, fame, popularity, or a particular skill. He says, greatness is serving. Having the heart, like, okay, Jesus, that's so, like, last season. <laughs> right? So you're telling me greatness in the kingdom of God is serving. Now, here's the thing. You're not going to see this idea of serving being the greatest on the rack at the grocery store on Cosmopolitan or GQ. 
You're not going to see eight ways to become a better servant. Six ways that you can serve your spouse better. Five ways to serve your workplace. But, in, well, first off, who waits in line anymore for daggone groceries? Have you ever heard of Walmart grocery pickup? Do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Parents out there are like, yes, like I have saved so much money in my house because my wife doesn't go to Target now. She doesn't have to walk through all of the Joanna Gaines stuff to get to the back of the store where the actual food is. She can just go sit in her car and have them put the groceries in her car and she can drive off so she's not tempted to spend more of our hard-earned money, right? Praise God. Someone give God some praise. I'm just saying, if you haven't done grocery pickup, what are you doing with your life? I'm just kidding. Walmart owes me now. But you won't see greatness talked about. You won't see greatness talked about in the terms of having a servant's heart in our culture. But that's why we say there is a big difference between great in the world's eyes, in culture's eyes, and great in the kingdom's eyes. Because Jesus is so much more concerned about the person you are becoming more than what you accomplish. Get that. God is so much more concerned about who you are becoming from the inside out more than what you accomplish, more than, than what you even accomplish for him. He's asking, who are you becoming? And he says this, I want you to become great. But what great is, is it's not fame, position, popularity, and privilege. Great is having a heart that says, I'm not here to be served. I am here to serve. And this is where we need the example of Jesus, y'all. So much. Check this out. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. This is Paul here speaking, writing a letter to the church he planted in Philippi. And what Paul was simply doing here is instructing believers in Christ saying, hey, look, this is, this is what your life should actually look like. And what he says there, he's actually talking about this, get this, relationships. Come on, somebody. Anybody, anybody got any relational issues going on? Whether it's friends or whether it's boyfriend or girlfriend or whether it's spouse. I'm sure none of you have marriage issues. I'm sure all of you are holy, love and serve your spouse. Things are great. It's, it is like 70 and sunny in your home. It's like San Diego in your home. I know that's none of you, but if you do know anybody, maybe this could apply to them. Okay, I'm just saying. Philippians 2, <laughs> verse 5 through 8. It says this, think of yourself. So he's telling them, hey, think about yourself the same way that Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God. So listen, so Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus was God in the form of man. So he was God in physical form. Scripture says this all throughout, that he was the exact image of God. So what, what we see Jesus doing and saying in, in Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that, that was God. It wasn't just a good figure. It wasn't just a good teacher. It wasn't just a cool guy that said really cool, pithy statements to make people put him on a bumper sticker. Okay? This was God. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. And took on the status of a servant, became human. 
Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, everyone say selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Y'all, this was what Jesus came to do and breed and bring in his followers. It is the heart of saying, I'm not on this planet to be served. I am on this planet to serve. That is the heart of, I, I know some people think Jesus came just to give you more rules. Jesus came to just take away all of your fun. Jesus came to just bog you down with so much stuff that you would never be able to do. Let me tell you what Jesus ultimately did. He came to show you what true life looked like. He came to show you what true freedom looks like. Jesus came to show us the example of what great actually is. And he showed it. Why? Because he didn't take his privilege and power and use it for his benefit. He threw it aside and says, I'm going to use privilege, power, and, and the position that I've got not to be served, but to serve. Do you see the power in that? Do you see the power in Jesus' example for us? Now, I don't know about you. This is all cool and all. You know, yeah, we're, you know, the greatest in the kingdom is the heart of a servant. I don't know, but I struggle with this. I struggle in my marriage to go to my wife and be like, hey, babe, I'm not here to be served. I'm not here for you to complete me. I'm here to serve you. That's hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. But it doesn't seem like we have this deep-rooted selfishness inside of us that we want to live for our benefit, our good, our best. And really, guys, if we could just define that, it's called sin. I know that's a churchy word, and I don't know many of you have been in church. Some of you haven't, but let me just quickly define sin for you. Sin at its core is this deep-rooted desire to go against God's best and to do the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. That is the ultimate root of sin. So really, you could say it's selfishness. We want to do us. We want to do what we want. We want to say we're on the throne of our own lives. But sin, it seems like we all have this desire to do the exact opposite. Like, we, we have this desire to do the exact opposite of what Jesus did, which is he did not come to be served, but to serve. It seems like I have this whole thing of I want to be served instead of to serve. Anybody else there? I mean, good Lord. But do you see, this is what Jesus ultimately came to do. Jesus came, he came to, to planet Earth, lived a perfect sinless life, died in your place and for your sin. Why? So he would crush sin and kill sin once and for all in your life to free you then to serve the world around you instead of saying, I need to be served and have my needs met and, and be fulfilled. Jesus came to kill that desire in us so then we're free to love and serve the world around us in the same way that Jesus did. Because look, what we do, we try to use people and things to complete us. Example, if you have a spouse and you tell them, you're everything to me. My life is in the palm of your hands. You complete me. I'll just be straight up. 
I hope you see and know how unhealthy that is. <laughs> like, let's just be straight up. Like, it's essentially, you're putting the weight and burden of your life and you being happy all on that person. Like, all on that person. Basically telling them, if you don't do what I want you to do, if you don't make me, the happy, if you don't make me happy the way that I need to be happy, then you, then you're like, you get crushed and, and then you get mad and then you have issues and then, well, they just don't love me anymore. When we first got together, they were all about helping me doing what I wanted them to do and just, that, and just now we just got issues and problems. It's over. Just can't do it no more. Really, honestly, what typically happens is we put God-like burdens on finite people. We put a God-like burden to find fulfillment and happiness on finite people that are going to fail, that are filled with selfishness just like you are. And we say, if you don't complete me, then I won't be complete. When here's the thing, the another person was never meant to fulfill or complete you. The hole in your heart was meant to be filled by one person and one person only, and that is your creator. That is the one that made you and formed you and knows you better than anybody, and that is God. So look, what Jesus came and did. Jesus comes and fills that deepest need that we have to be loved and to find purpose and to be great. Jesus comes and fills us with that. And then what does that do? It frees us then to use and abuse people and things for our benefit. We are now free to love and serve and give freely. Why? Because the God of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who had every right to use his power, position, privilege over us said, no, I'm not going to, what, use that. I'm going to serve you. So now because we have been served and loved by king of kings and lord of lords god we are then free to serve those around us do y'all see this do you see the power in this this is why i believe the gospel is the most powerful force on this planet unfortunately it is one of the biggest jokes on this planet because we have people that claim the name of christ but don't live the way of christ he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And let me tell you this. Do you know where this reeks of in the church and in the pastorate? I'm calling my own people out. Where many pastors use their position and authority and say, I, you're here to serve me. And I just want to, on behalf of, I don't know, the church, if, if, if you've been a part of that, I just want to apologize. Listen, I, I am not, I'm not in any way saying I'm great. If you're looking to find a perfect pastor, you got the wrong church. Far from perfect. God's working on, on my heart. I'm dealing with my own selfishness, my own, sins, my own sinful nature, and God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is helping me, by God's grace, to put my sin to death. Why? So selflessness can come out. Not selfishness, selflessness. But if you have been in a church that you have been hurt, that the pastor, the church leadership hasn't used their, their position, authority, and power to serve, but instead said, we are here, you're here to serve us, I just want to apologize. Because ultimately, lead pastor, church, church leadership, they are called not to be served. They are called to serve. We should be called, honestly, the pastor should be called lead servant instead of lead pastor. That doesn't mean that I, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm going to do everything for everybody. Because trust me, I'm limited. There's some things you don't want me counseling you through. There's some things I'm going to help you find a counselor for. 
There's some things I'm going to be like, yo, I know this person, man. He can help you. Me, bad idea. Okay, go somewhere else, okay? I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to try to help, right? But, but the bottom line is this. This mentality of not coming to be served but to serve can't just be in individual. It's got to be corporate. It's got to be the heartbeat of this church and followers of Christ that say we are not on this planet to get something from people. We are on this planet to give something to people. Why? Because the God of heaven and earth has given us and fulfilled every need we have. So then therefore we are free to give and serve and love the world around us. Do you see the power in that? Think about it. Many issues in our world are a direct result of us living selfishly instead of selflessly. The heart behind classism, racism. The root behind that is selfishness. It's ultimately sin. That's that say, because of the color of my skin, I'm better. Because, because of my gender, I'm better. And any thinking that, that, that says you are better than anyone else based on any outward thing is a lie from the pit of hell. It needs to be fought against and trampled down on. The gospel says this. We are all created equal in God's sight, every single one of us. And we are not called to live to get. We are called and live to live and give. At the root of sexual uh, abuse and sexual sin is this idea that somebody selfishly uses somebody sexually against their will for their pleasure and benefit. The heart behind fatherless homes, many fatherless homes is selfish men who say, I want the benefits of sex while neglecting the responsibility to love, care for, and serve one woman and be present both physically and emotionally for the kid that I helped create. At the heart of our consumeristic culture is a selfishness that says, what I have isn't enough. I need a bigger house, a better car, more clothes, more vacations. Yet, at the, yet, yet shockingly at this time, we are the most depressed, medicated, and anxious society that has ever lived. There's a direct correlation between our selfishness and our misery. And like I said, that's why I believe the gospel is not just good advice. It's good news. There's a, there's a huge difference between good advice and good news. The gospel, Jesus did not come to tell us a few good things to add to our life so we'll have a better life. Jesus said, you need to die to yourself and find life in me. He said, I don't want to be a part of your life. I want to be your life. That's why I believe the gospel is the most beautiful thing. This world needs the gospel, the heart and message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It said, I am not here to be served. I am here to serve and give my life as a ransom. How do you think our world would look different if we had every follower of Jesus Christ? We all said, do you know what? We're not here to be served. We are here to serve. How do you think our world, community, families, would be different. I think it would be a little bit different. Here's the thing, right? You say, well, so what am I supposed to do? Like go around and just ask people, how can I serve you today? 
It's like, is that what Jesus wants to do? Is just create a bunch of punks? Like, just a bunch of, like, weak, weak people? Oh, I'm a doormat. Just walk all over me. Because I think, honestly, when we hear the word servant, that's what we think. I'm a doormat. Whatever you want to do, just run over me. I won't bring anything up. I don't want any conflict. I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt any, you know. Being a servant isn't about your job title or position. It's about the posture of your heart. I'm going to say that one more time. Being a servant isn't about your job title or your position. It is about the posture of your heart. And that's why the truth is, y'all, we need Jesus-filled policemen. We need Jesus-filled politicians. We need Jesus-filled construction workers. We need Jesus-filled school teachers. We need Jesus-filled doctors. We need Jesus-filled landscapers. We need Jesus-filled engineers. We need Jesus-filled fast food workers. We need Jesus-filled, throw in whatever position, title, CEOs, whatever. The bottom line is this. Having a servant heart isn't dependent upon your position. It's dependent upon the posture of your heart where you can be the CEO of a large company and still go and still use that position of power to say, I don't see people as, what are they going to give me? I see it as I have, been given a, I have been given a stewardship to love and serve people. Steward, here's the thing. Leadership is stewardship. God is entrusting you with something, and he's try, entrusting you with, uh, with authority. And what you simply do is say, if you are in a spot of leadership, no matter what realm you're in, you have been given a stewarding position by God to love and serve those under you in the same way God has loved and stewarded you. And that is the example, Jesus says, of what true greatness is. Do you see the difference? I mean, our world, anything's great. Like, it's crazy. Like, you you don't even have to be talented anymore to be famous or to be great. Snooky. I mean, you just got a messed up, jacked up life and put it on television. And everyone, oh man, I want their life. They got someone's good stuff. They're great. I'm like, are you, she's a mess. Many people are a mess. Because their idea and definition of what greatness is, they're living up and all it leads to is selfishness, which ends up leading to misery. But Jesus says the secret to greatness isn't found in selfishness. It's found in selflessness that leads to true joy. Because it's better than to give than to receive. Being a servant is so much not about your, your position. It could be wherever status, context, job you have right now. If you come in with the heart of a servant and say, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. I believe you are shouting the gospel to the world around you. This is who God is and what God's like through Jesus's life. Here's the thing, I believe any of us can be great. I sincerely believe that, and this isn't that, oh, you get a trophy, you get a trophy, right? (laughs) In our trophy culture. But this is simply of, look, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be great. Why? Because everyone can serve. It's not based upon your position, your bank account, your fame, your, your Facebook followers, your Twitter followers, what other people think of you. Greatness is a posture of your heart that says, I am here to make the world around me better and to serve instead of just using and, using and abusing people and things for my own benefit.
How would your marriage be different if both of you went into it and you said, you know, we're not here to be served. We're here to serve. I think divorce might go down a little bit. Think about workplace. If you went in there, I I know some of you can't stand your boss. I'll just be straight up with you. There's times God can't stand you. Love you. Welcome to Lifehouse. We're glad you're here. (laughs) But the fuel, the fuel for you to love and serve people that you can't stand is the fuel that God loves and serves you. That's the only fuel, y'all. And that's why he said, think of yourselves the same way that Jesus, now, now look, like I said, this doesn't mean that there aren't times where you talk to them and, and you engage in, in conflict. Conflict can actually be a great catalyst for change and for, and for growth, right? But at the same time, your heart's got to be, I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. Martin Luther King said this, it's a great quote. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermal dynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Come on, someone. That's good stuff, isn't it? But do you know what fills you with grace and love? It's the gospel. It's not going to be pure human will. It's not going to be you doing so many good things that you, that you just think of yourself better and you just your self-esteem goes up and there's a good little you inside of there and you just got to dig deep down into that bad little you and find the good little you and bring it out. The thing is, you, you, you still, Scripture says this, Bible, I mean, it says we're all messed up, we're all jacked up, we're all full of this sinful, selfish nature and we need the love and grace of Jesus Christ to help us put that to death so selfishness can die and selflessness can then come out and the world can know who God is and what God's like through his followers that proclaim his name. Come on, someone. So look, I don't know what step today you need to take because I believe all of us need to take a step because the bottom line is this, is many of us are saved, but we're selfish. Some of us are saved, but selfish. And maybe because of just life happening to you, maybe because of just different circumstances happening, you've become cynical. And, and, and because of your cynicalness and because of just because life throws unexpected things at us and we can harden up really, really quick. And we've got a true, genuine love for God. But at the same time, we, 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 just, we just cultivate selfishness. And some of you need to, 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 to basically make a decision today and you know, just repent for your selfish ways and turn to, to God so selflessness can then run through you and out through you to the world around you. But some of you today, you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ today. You need to say this selfishness isn't going to be dealt with on your own. It's going to be dealt with through the cross of Jesus Christ, of you realizing what Jesus did on the cross was in your place and for your sin. Kids are like, hurry up, John. Finish this sermon off. I feel y'all. I need to end this plane. So I don't know what your next step is. But I believe all of us have got one to take. Let's pray.
pray. God, we just want to pause right now and we just thank you for this time. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for each heart here. God, you know what each, what each person needs, what you need to speak to each person. And I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak into their spirit and into their heart right now the next step that they need to take. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would just quickly, if you would just say, John, I need to make a decision, or you need to make a recommitment and say, Jesus, I've been saved, but I, I have been selfish. Possibly you have never made a choice a decision, a drawn a line in the sand and said, I want to follow Jesus. And maybe today is your day on one big Sunday as we're celebrating all that God's done. We want to celebrate the decision that you're going to make today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, I want to make a decision today to follow Christ or recommit my life to him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is your time of privacy. I just want you simply, I'm, I'm going to count to you three. Take a hand, put it up. We just want to know who you are just so we can pray for you. I promise we're not going to embarrass you. I promise we're not going to call you out. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. If that is you, whenever I count to three, raise a hand. I'm ready. One, two, three. Anyone here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? We're going to pray right now. Listen up, church fam. What we're going to do is we're all going to join in together and pray the same prayer that many people raise their hand of saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Can we all stand up, church? We're just going to stand up. We're going to pray this, and then we're going to go back into a quick time of worshiping, and we're just going to do business with God. But at the same time, if you did lift up a hand, listen to me. I believe that as we all join in today and and pray, if you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, God hears you, and God will answer you and give you the new heart that you desire to make you self to kill that selfishness so selflessness can rise up out of you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if everyone would just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for dying on the cross, for putting aside your privilege and your position and serving me. When I was a sinner, you served me. I did not deserve it. So I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your heart today. And I pray that as I receive that, by your grace, you would empower me and strengthen me to, to be somebody that doesn't just want to be served, but says, I'm here to serve. I'm here to make the world around me a better place. So God, use me. God, use me to love and serve those around me. Jesus, thank you. I receive, you for, your, your, I receive your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lifehouse fan, can we just give it up for the, I don't know, 15, 20 people that raised a hand today to receive Christ. Hey guys, listen up. If you did say that prayer today, you were the one, raise up a hand, even if you possibly didn't. Look, we would you just do one extra step? Whenever you walk out today, would you just let us know? There is a couple different ways you can actually do that. Whenever you walked in, you might have received one of those cards, you cards. If you did, there's a spot on the back there that, that simply says this, my life was changed by Jesus today. Would you just check that box and turn it in in the offering bucket that is going to be passed here soon or secondly out at the Next Steps booth out, 
outside. We want to just give you a few next steps to help you along this brand new journey of following Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate Lifehouse one more time, all those that made a decision today to follow him. We celebrate with you, and we want to come alongside you and help you because we, we believe the gospel. Jesus is the greatest message that anyone has ever heard, anyone will ever follow. So look, guys, we're going to go quickly, right, right quicker into a song here. And, and what we want to simply do is that's what you did to you to do business with God. Whatever you need to pray, pray it. Whatever you need to say, say it. Whatever you need to repent of, repent of it. Take these next few moments that we're going to have and do some business with God and let God speak to you, challenge you, and change you. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.